Every one of us is in a war. The war is in the mind. And oftentimes we allow the enemy to win by continually coming back to the voice that is not, as the, vo- not the voice of Jesus. Even followers of Jesus are not immune to this war. And we talked about last week, just the starting week of really looking at the reality that we can actually choose the beliefs that we have. We can actually choose the voice that we're listening to from within. And that we are transformed when we begin to realize that it's Jesus' voice we need to turn to over and over and over again. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I am getting to this age where um, I'm 37 and I'm beginning to feel old in certain areas of my life. And there's certain areas like physically where like, man, like things like just don't heal as quickly. Uh, Things like all of a sudden just hurt. I just move something and I like pull a muscle and it's just like, what in the world's happening? But here's the other area where I feel like I'm starting to get old is um, in slang. Like I used to know like the cool words and I'm beginning to realize I don't know the cool words. And it's been a heck of a journey last year, hanging out with my kids, learning slang, specifically my oldest. Now I'm going to share with you some slang that I've learned over the last year. And you just need to know, I understand that each community has different slang. So my son's slang comes from football, baseball, and the Fortnite community. Anybody in those communities at all? Uh, a couple, okay, all right. So here's a couple things of slang that I've learned in the last year. That guy is a dude. You ever heard that? A guy is a dude, which I'm like, well, yeah, dude, guy. No, 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 that's not what that means. What that means is that dude's a good ball player. That guy's a dude, a really good ball player, all right? Some of you guys are going, okay, all right. Next one, I'm bringing that smoke. They said this all football season. I'm like, are we talking about drugs? Like, what is going on right now? I'm like, I don't even know. This means you're bringing the competitive battle to your opponent, meaning you're bringing it, right? You're bringing the smoke, all right? Now, this is in regards to an object. That object, whatever the object is, is broke. Heard that? It's broke. I'm like, that's not good. No, it's a good thing. It means that the object is really cool and good, that it's like legit. So like that's, a word. they don't say that's legit, they go, it's broke. So my son, Fortnite, oh, this gun's broke. That's not good. No, it's good, dad. It means it's really good. Okay, good to know. This one I think is my favorite, okay? That dude is sweaty. You might be thinking, he's working hard. Yes, he is working hard. But it's someone who is clutch in intense situations. When you're playing with a controller and you're going against an opponent and all of a sudden you kill him, but your hands are really sweaty and you're clutch, sweaty, right? And here's the last one. He's living rent-free, bro. Anybody heard that one? Living rent-free. It's allowing the enemy, the opponent, the person to consume your mind and your thoughts. He's living, she's living rent-free, bro. And that one got me thinking. How often do we allow the enemy to live rent-free in our minds? We allow the enemy to live rent-free 
in our minds. We never consider what it means to kick him out of the conversation. We never consider what God wants for us on how we can say no to the enemy. How can you keep the enemy from living rent-free in your mind? And for some of us, we've never even thought of that concept. We've never thought of the reality that we can actually kick the enemy out of the conversation. Last week, step one, we have to recognize that you have the power to choose your beliefs and thoughts. You have the ability to step back in the conversation and go on, what am I thinking about? What am I being consumed by? That's step one. How do you now begin the process of choosing to not listen to the enemy? How can you begin to take the next step of not just choosing, but actually engaging in the war? Last week, we talked about how Jesus, in John chapter 10, he says something about who he is. What did he say in John chapter 10? Does anybody remember last week that he is the good what? The good shepherd. And that sheep listen to his voice. His sheep listen to his voice. And there's an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We're going to look at another passage today to start off. In Psalm chapter 23, if you've been a part of the church, you've been a part, even if you haven't been in the church, you've heard this passage probably a dozen, hundred, twenty, like multiple times. Even if you're not a part of the church. Psalm chapter 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of, the shadow of what? Death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now this is the t part where like, we kind of usually move on. Like people remember, memorize these first parts, but oftentimes we move forward. Look at this next passage. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my, what's it say up there? Presence of my? You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Verse 5. I just want to spend a little bit of time here. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This is a picture that, that God's giving us about how he interacts with us. That he prepares a table before us. And I want you to think about this. We just got done with the season where we have lots of meals. Did you guys have a good meal in December? I had a good meal in December. A couple of them. Prime rib. Anybody? The table that God prepares before you doesn't compare to the greatest meals you've had in your life. God prepares a table before you. And he invites you, as we just sang, as Nathan just says, he, he says, come and have your fill. But do you notice what it says on the last part of that statement? He prepares the table in the presence of your enemies. He prepares the table in the midst of of the enemy whispering. He prepares the table and says, come and have your fill, just you and me. And I've learned to focus on this passage from a book by Louis Giglio that says this, the title, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. He says in that book, Jesus, the good shepherd, prepares a table for you and the enemy has not been invited to join. Amen. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. 
And every single day, this is the war that happens, is that God every day says that his mercies are new every what? New every? Every day and every morning. And he sets a table for you where you and him can, can, can have a relationship. Not just like when I'm at church, but like every single day he says, your mercies are, my mercies are new for you every single day. And I prepare a table for you. And I'm inviting you to have this amazing relationship with me where I go with you wherever. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am with you. And although the enemy wants to, to talk to you, he's not at the table. Don't invite him to the table. Don't allow that thought to consume you. Don't allow him to live rent-free in your head. He's not invited. In fact, you are fully empowered to say, get out of the seat. I'm not listening to the lies anymore. I'm not allowing you to consume my life anymore. I'm gonna begin the process of choosing to listen to the Lord. Now here's the thing, like, you've gotta have other people that are in the journey with you. You've gotta be, be able to welcome other people into saying, I need help with, with my table. The Lord's with me, but who are the other people that are gonna reinforce this message into your heart and your brain over and over and over again? This is why Jesus created his church. Is that we would be a people that welcome each other at each other's table with the Lord and help us discern what is Jesus saying versus what is the enemy saying. The enemy's been nudging into the conversation from the very, very beginning. Then he's been nudging into the conversation from the very, very beginning. Genesis, everybody remember Genesis? God creates the world, and then Genesis chapter 3, it says in verse 1, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? Nudging into the conversation, coming and sitting down at the table. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Okay. She's combating the enemy. This is what God actually said. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. What did Adam and Eve do? They allowed the enemy to come to the table, sit at the table, and actually entertain conversation at the table. And the next thing you know, they're buying into the lies and I want you to notice, it's, it's not the forbidden fruit that actually initiates this conversation. It's lies about God that the enemy begins to put into Adam and Eve's mind, which is how it works with us. We begin to actually think about lies about God. And the next thing you know, we're doing things that we know we shouldn't be doing, and, and conviction comes, and sin comes. Look at verse 11. God comes into the scene. He's walking in the cool of the garden. He's looking for Adam and Eve. And they said, we were naked. We ate from the tree that we weren't supposed to. We're naked. And God says, who said that you were naked? What are the lies that you've been told? Who have you invited to the table? 
Eve welcomed the enemy to the table by entertaining the lies of the enemy. And as soon as we begin to even entertain the enemy's voice, we begun to welcome him at the table. Here's the fruit of listening to the enemy at the table. Have you ever heard yourself say this inside your head? Have you ever heard yourself say this out loud? I'll never change. I'll feel better if I did this. You will feel better if you do this, if you sin. The gospel really doesn't work. I'm not worth much. No one loves me. I could never be loved. No one believes in me. I deserve to be bitter. I deserve to be filled with rage. I am a failure. I am, I am my addiction. I will always be this way. These are the things that enter into our minds, and these are the things that we entertain and the voices that we hear, and this is the fruit of allowing the enemy to come to the table. How do you change the fruit? How do you change what you think. This is the only way. You can capture and take captive the lies of the enemy and make them obedient to Christ. You can capture and take captive the lies of the enemy and make them obedient to Christ. Step one, we talk about choosing. I'm gonna choose truth and life. The next step, you've got to capture the conversation. You've got to capture what's going on in your head and you've got to choose to tell the enemy, you're not welcome at my table. And I'm going to start reflecting, meditating, praying the truth about who I am and about what Jesus says about me and what Jesus says about my situation, what Jesus says about my family, and what Jesus says about my future. And Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage, what's he say? We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take, there's a key word, we take what? Captive. Every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Every thought, every lie, every discussion that goes on within our minds, we go, is this the truth? Should I entertain this? Should I welcome this at my table? And I love what Caroline Leaf says. She says, the ability to quiet your mind. I talked about this last week. We have to actually quiet our minds, which requires us every day Lord's mercies are new every day. God, I believe that. I trust that. I'm going to welcome you and your word into my life. I'm going to be quiet before you. For those of us that have little ones running around that just get up at dumb hours in the morning, <laughs> it requires us to get up even earlier. Because let me just tell you, as soon as Theo's up, man, like... Goodbye, quiet time. It requires me to go, I'm going to get up and I'm going to quiet my mind and I'm going to listen to God's mercies in my life every single day. I'm going to quiet my mind. You have the ability to quiet your mind, focus your attention on the present issue, capture your thoughts, dismiss the distractions and come your way. That come your way is an excellent and powerful ability that God has placed within you. You can capture 
your thoughts. You can capture the lies and you can say, I'm not going to listen to that. Even though I may choose to, to believe in the truth, it is a war to do it. It is a war to say, even though I believe this is true, here's what's going on inside of me. Here's how fearful I am. Anxious I am, Lord. But help me to not trust the enemy's voice. Help me to trust your voice today. Take every thought captive. It is a process. A couple of things I want you to think about in regards to this process. The first one is this. You've got to recognize it. You've got to recognize the voice and the conversation. You have to look on it. And here's the thing. Journaling helps with this. Journaling helps me actually figure out what's going on in my heart, my brain. What am I actually wrestling with? And it allows me to actually recognize it and look at it. God, your word says this, but I'm struggling with this. It allows you to recognize it. And here's the second thing. After you recognize it, you have to tackle it. Whatever it is that the enemy is saying, you begin to recognize, like, this isn't the truth because I just read the truth. I just read God's word. This is what it says, but this is what I'm wrestling with. I don't know if I can really believe that. I don't know if I can really trust that. Here's what the enemy is actually telling to me. When you actually see it, you have to tackle it. It is work to win your war. And I use the word tackle, capture. I use that because it makes sense to me because I'm a football guy. Anybody a football guy or gal? I'm good with either. My wife's a football gal. And when I think about this, I think about like Madden, God bless his soul. We just lost him, right? I think about Madden and I think about the tackling and the blocking and all that. And I think about what it means in my mind when it comes to going up against the enemy. I have to tackle the lies that run rampant in my brain and I've got to make it obedient to Jesus. What does that mean? It means living with an intensity within my mind and within my heart to fully, truly trust God's word and not the enemy. And I have to be careful sometimes because that intensity that I, that I live with Sometimes I scare my kids a little bit because I begin to hear the lies of the enemy through my kids and what they say. And as soon as I hear it, I go, come here. Ugh. I'm not mad at you. I'm not frustrated with you. I want to tell you, that's not true. And they get really scared. I don't yell at them that much, but that's what I want to. That's right. But I look at him and I go, that's not true. You are loved. And you are full of potential. And God's got amazing plans for you. You are so smart and so gifted. Don't you ever let the enemy tell you any differently. Okay, Dad. You've got to tackle it. You've got to capture it. You can't let it run rampant all over the field in your mind. You got to go get it. The enemy will not capture. You have to live with this mindset. The enemy will not capture my heart and my mind with every fiber of my being. I'm going to chase truth. I'm going to chase love. I'm going to chase God's voice with everything within me and trust it. And I'm not going to allow my kids to be captured by the enemy's voice. You've got to make it obedient to the truth. Step three. Make it obedient to the truth. What does that mean? 
You replace the lie with the truth. You replace the lie with the truth. In Jenny Allen's book, Get Out of Your Head, she says that the lies that we often choose not to capture are rooted in three lies. And she learned these from her counselor. I thought this was brilliant. Lie number one, I'm helpless. Lie number one, I'm helpless. Other variations of this is, I don't have what it takes. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not as good as them. My parents screwed me up too much. I'll always be a screw up. I'll always struggle with this addiction. I have an addictive personality. That's why it's so hard for me to resist. All those things, I'm helpless. That's not true. Truth, God has given me everything I need because he said that. 2 Peter chapter 1, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. God has given you everything you need. I don't care if you have a lot or you have a little. God will give you everything you need. Do you trust it? Have you come to know Jesus? Have you surrendered to his lordship? Romans 8, 11 says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. You're not helpless. God's given you everything you need. Lie number two, I'm worthless. Other variations, no one will ever notice me. I'm never chosen. I'll always be last to the party. I'm an idiot. I'm a loser. I'm stupid. That's not true. God chose you. God chose you. He created you. It says this in Ephesians. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure to do this, to choose you, to adopt you, to welcome you into his family. And here's the thing. He's been doing it from the very, very beginning. Psalm 139, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before me. A single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Psalm 139, my favorite psalm. The whole thing is just loaded with the goodness of God and him saying, you are mine. And I looked at the world and as I looked at the world, I looked and I said, there needs to be a Josh Everts in the world. There needs to be a Rudy Espino in the world. There needs to be a Scott McMenamin in the world. There needs to be a Meg Rowe in the world because there's not one like you. This is the God that we worship. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that created us. He looked at you and said, I want you. I set a table before you and the enemy's not invited. So capture it. Take it captive. Line number three, I'm unlovable. I'm too far gone. I've messed up every person I know. They left because of me. They'll never forgive me. It's not true. It's not true. Oh, I messed up. Guess what? Before you were born, Jesus knew you were going to mess up. And he still created you. You ever think about that? 
Oh, God's, God's disappointed in me. God, God, God this, God that. God, what does God think now about what I did? Well, he's saddened by what you did, but he's not surprised by it. He's not surprised by it. He knew you were going to be in this place. And he was like, is it worth it? Is it worth creating Justin Jordan? Knowing all the days of his life, how it's going to be mad. Is it worth it? Absolutely, it's worth it. Because he's my boy. And I died for him. For all that stuff in the future and in the past. I died for all of it. He died for you. In spite of all the mess ups, all the pain, he died for you. While I was at my worst, Jesus loved me. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us, Romans 5. 1 John 4, we love because he first loved us. For this is how we know God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in me shall not perish but have eternal life. You are loved. So why is this difficult? Why is this so hard? We talked about this last week. You can actually heal and transform your brain. It's called neuroplasticity. I feel really smart when I say scientific words, right? <laughs> you can actually change your brain. But here's the problem. Before we get there, we have to recognize that our brain is hardwired through pain, through lies, through relationships to keep believing the lies. And our brain is kind of like this picture. Look at this picture. You see it? What is that a picture of? Ruts. The lies, our brains keep falling into ruts over and over and over again. And every single time something happens that, that where we go, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe the lie, we're falling back into ruts. But here's the thing I wanna tell you. What God is in the business of is transforming our hearts and our brains. And this takes time, it takes process, it takes a community, it takes God's word, it takes his truth, it takes people that come around and help us begin to transform our hearts and our brains. Now, much to much people's disagreement, like, I think ACHD does a pretty good job with the roads around here. So you're like, are you talking about it? Traffic's horrible. Yeah, traffic's horrible. But have you ever been a part of pavement that has ruts in it? How bad it pulls you left to right? You ever experienced that before? Can you imagine if people just went and just paved more stuff over the ruts, how much worse it would get? But God doesn't do that. God says, you know what? I'm gonna scrape the whole thing off and I'm gonna make it nice and clean and new. You guys been on a new road, it's been newly paved. Isn't that just awesome? <laughs> and it's so quiet. It's like, whoo. That's what God wants to do with your brain. He wants to heal it. He wants to transform it. He wants to impact every part of your, your life, your, your head, your heart, the way you live. But it's gonna require you to get out of the rut. And guess what? You're gonna fall back into it. You're gonna fall back into the rut. 
Get out of it. Get out of it. This is why we have to be a people that memorize scripture. Because it's God's truth that allows us to get out of the rut. It's God's truth that reveals life in us and shows us what life actually looks like. If you choose not to capture your lie, this is really important, you guys. If you choose not to capture your lie, it's on you. It's on you. It's not God's fault. It's not your parents' fault. It's not your stepdad's fault. It's not your mom's fault. It's not the situation's fault. It's not the difficulty that comes against you. If you choose not to go to war, if you choose not to capture it, it's on you. But we have to remember that in the journey, God says, whether you're on the mountaintop or whether you're in the valley, I am with you. And he invites you to go to war. You can capture and take captive the lies of the enemy and make them obedient to Christ. Scripture says that you can, and that's what we do. And you can do it. But it's gonna require you to tackle it. It's gonna require you to have an intensity within your heart and with your mind. We need the word of God. We need the people of God. We need the spirit of God. When we capture our lives, we begin to be transformed. And when we're transformed, our homes begin to be transformed. Our communities begin to be transformed. Our cities begin to be transformed. It becomes a ripple effect that that moves far beyond our own lives. It impacts our families for generations. When we say, I'm not gonna pass on the sin of my father, the sin of my mother. I'm gonna learn everything that I can from them, but the things that they pass on to me, I'm not gonna pass on to my kids. I'm gonna change the trajectory of my family and my community because Jesus has called me to reach the world for Jesus, for him, 1% of the time. I'm gonna live for his kingdom. And so this morning, as we wrap up, I just want you to think about these three things. We gotta recognize it. We gotta recognize the lie. We gotta capture the lie. We have to tackle it and say no. I'm not gonna listen to that. I'm not gonna listen to you. I'm gonna listen to the truth. I'm gonna walk by the life that God has invited me into. And number three, make it obedient to the truth. Reinforcing the truth, coming back to the truth over and over and over again. Step one, you get to choose what you believe. Number two, you gotta take captive the lie. You gotta capture it. You gotta sit at the table And when the enemy begins to nudge, you can say, not today. Literally, not today. Not doing this anymore. And when we do that, God begins to do a work. God begins to do a work. And so what does it look like to quiet our minds this week and begin to trust this? Youth, what does it mean to begin to quiet your minds? Instead of allowing all the other things to overwhelm us, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, nope. I'm gonna quiet my mind over and over and over again before Jesus and allow him to speak to me. So what is your next step this week? And I want you to remember this. I'm gonna say this every single week. As much as we're talking about win your war, honestly, if I were to do this all over again, I would have changed the sermon series title. It's not win your war. The war is won. Jesus wins the war. We don't have to worry about how it's gonna end. It's gonna win. But we do have battles in front of us 
in our hearts and our minds. If I were to change all over, it'd be win your battle. Because the war's done. But are you going to choose to stay captive and walk in obedience to Jesus? As we get ready to go to communion during this time, I want to invite you to pray for yourself about what your next step is. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about today through his word? And number two, is there someone you know that is struggling with their war and how can you pray for them? How can you begin to walk beside them? Because we need each other. This person that's struggling needs you to walk beside them and show them what truth, life, and love looks like. Let's get ready to go to the Lord's table.